When I was a kid, the greatest compliment that anyone could bestow upon a boy was to call him a natural athlete. Whether that was said by a coach or a gym teacher or a parent or some other adult or even by another kid. That meant that you had an innate talent for sports. Any athletic activity that you took up, you'd be good at it. This was the ultimate badge of honor. Sports scientists now recognize, in fact, that there really is no such thing as a natural athlete in that sense. A person may certainly be genetically gifted with the potential to excel in a particular sport, or in rare cases, perhaps more than one sport. But there is no such thing as a general athletic quality that will allow a person to inherently excel at any and all sports because every sport requires unique athletic abilities. Further, evidence shows that even within a particular sport, at the elite level, the best explanation for the success of one athlete over another is not gen innate genetic talent, but actually persistent hours of practice. Because within the same sport, the top athletes have relatively comparable physical gifts or they wouldn't be competing at such a high level to begin with. Thus, in general, it's hard work and discipline that differentiates the top performers from the also-rans. That's also the case in our spiritual lives. Like athletes, different people may be suited by a combination of natural disposition and by God's grace to a particular vocation or state in life. But as a matter of achieving holiness within that vocation, whatever it is, Persistence in prayer is what matters. In the gospel, Jesus gives us the example of the judge who neither feared God nor respected any human being, meaning that he had no interest in actually doing justice. I think I ran into a few of those back when I was a lawyer. But when the poor widow is persistent, the judge finally relents and ju does justice not because he saw the light, but because he simply wanted to get her off his back. Similarly, earlier in Luke's Gospel, Jesus gave us the example of the man who knocks on his neighbor's door in the middle of the night in order to borrow some bread. The neighbor tries to get him to go away. Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. But Jesus recommends that the person keep knocking. I tell you, if he does not get up to give him the loaves because of their friendship, he will give him whatever he wants because of his persistence. Jesus uses these examples to show that we intuitively recognize that persistence works in human affairs. People who are persistent in asking might come off as annoying at times. But we probably all know someone who got some opportunity precisely because they wouldn't take no for an answer. Yet sometimes I'm afraid that we imagine that this does not apply to the spiritual realm, that because God is omniscient and omnipotent, that the quantity or persistence of our prayers makes no difference. Ask once, ask a thousand times. It's immaterial because God will grant us what we want if he thinks it's fitting, and if he doesn't, he won't. Now, on the one hand, there's an inkling of truth in that. As Jesus said, in praying, do not babble like the pagans who believe that they are heard because of their many words. Your Father in heaven knows what you want before you even ask. 
God doesn't change his mind about granting a prayer because God is immutable. And it's true, of course, that God certainly does respond even to brief singular prayers some of the time. Yet persistence in prayer is necessary because, above all, God desires communion with us. That's the entire point of the mystery of Jesus Christ, of his becoming man so he could offer us redemption by shedding his precious blood on the cross. He did this to forgive our sins. But the reason why this forgiveness is so important is because it makes possible our eternal life in heaven. Prayer is, in fact, the foretaste of communion with God in heaven. That's why the highest state of prayer is called transforming union, or sometimes spiritual marriage. It's said to consist in the habitual consciousness of a mysterious grace, which all shall possess in heaven, namely the anticipation of the divine nature. In other words, a person who advances to this spiritual level is actually experiencing something like the beatific vision, the joys of heaven that they have now in this life. Not many people reach that kind of advanced spiritual stage, but the point is, is that God wants us to be praying. He wants us to maximize the amount of time that we spend in prayer. That's why God commands that we have a Sabbath day in which we rest from our earthly labors, not primarily so that we can simply relax and enjoy ourselves, although, of course, a certain amount of that is fitting on Sundays, and not even so only that we can attend Mass, though, of course, that's critically important, but also so that we are able to spend extra time in spiritual labor, in prayer. God wants us to do this because the experience of persistent prayer transforms us, regardless of whether in the end God grants the explicit desire of our prayer in a way that is cognizable to us or not. Through prayer, we become holier. We become more the son or daughter of God that we are meant to be. We are better able to discern God's will in our lives. Because of prayer, we are more resistant to sin. We have more peace through prayer, regardless of whether our earthly circumstances seem to change or not. By prayer, we are more conformed to the kingdom of heaven, where we hope to spend eternity. All of these things are the implicit desires of prayer. Thus, of course, it's the case that Jesus should tell us to always pray without ceasing, no matter who we are or what we are doing or what it is that we are asking for. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.